What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Cincy Jungle Week 13 post-game show from the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, part of the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. I am Anthony Kazenza coming at you live a little bit after the fallout from the Bengals' most recent loss, an ugly, ugly, ugly 19-7 loss at the hands of the Miami Dolphins. And I mean ugly in a lot of different ways. We will talk about that. There is a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, there's the stats or lack thereof for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, there are a number of different issues that you can point to and all of it, um, you know, comes down to whether you're in, you're in defense of Zach Taylor or you're not in defense of Zach Taylor at this point. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of go through a lot of that. I'm already seeing a lot of comments about uh, some feelings from fans talking about Zach Taylor, but the Bengals lose in week 13 at the hands of Miami in South Beach, 19-7. to There was a, a turning point in this game that everybody could readily point to. And this is where you maybe want to defend Zach Taylor a little bit if you're if you're the guys out there with the, the guys and gals out there with the pitchforks and torches. There was a pivotal moment where the Bengals were going to take control of this game. Uh, it was it was seven to three, or at least you know take a nice lead going into halftime, sort of thing. Uh, it was seven to three late in the second quarter. The Bengals were moving the ball a little bit, got stymied, and were set up uh, on a, on a third down. We're we're getting Tyler Boyd failed to get the the reception. It was a bad pass by Brandon Allen that sailed over his head. You were thinking that the Bengals were going to come out and go for the field goal, take a 10-3 lead to get into to halftime and go from there. Well, what transpired from there was an inexplicable series of events in terms of the officiating, which kind of continued throughout the rest of the day. And so what happened was that the Bengals got a personal foul penalty from Tyler Boyd after both guys were kind of hitting, taking swings at each other uh, at their helmets. So they're going to get flagged there. Tyler Boyd gets ejected. Xavier Howard gets ejected. Both guys get ejected, yet somehow Tyler Boyd is the only one who gets penalized 15 yards. Well, guess what happens? A manageable kick becomes a 53-yard kick, and we know what happens with Randy Bullock with anything beyond 45 or 50 yards. It's a real mixed bag, and he missed it. So then that sets the Miami Dolphins up with great field position. They go down and score a a field goal, a six-point swing there, and – after that, the Dolphins never looked back. The third quarter, really, if you listen to Zach Taylor's press conference at the end there, the third quarter really told the tale as to where this game went and why the score ended ended up the way it did because the Bengals did absolutely nothing, 
absolutely nothing in the third quarter. And the the Dolphins kind of took charge from there, had a couple of nice drives, and that was that. This was a winnable game, though. And, again, you're going to see this probably week after week. You know, the shoulda, woulda, couldas. I say this. I feel like I say it every single time. It, Joe Burrow's in that game, and you play that game today, I feel like the last three games – that Joe Burrow should or would have been available. Those, those are all wins, and you're staring at a you know a five six and one record or something of the like at that po- at this point. Um, you know that Washington game was very winnable, and it was very close until Joe Burrow left that that game. The Bengals almost beat the Giants at home without Joe Burrow and a number of different players. And this week, I mean, the the Dolphins covered the spread, twelve points but it seemed a lot closer than it seemed a lot closer than that. The rest of the, of the story has to continue to go to officiating. There were calls after calls after calls that went after uh, went against the Cincinnati Bengals that were inexplicable. Mike Thomas got a personal foul penalty on one punt coverage situation where he tackled and forced a fumble and, Somehow that was deemed a personal foul. And so then there was that situation. It was a little questionable. And then, you know, you had another one that Mike Thomas did. That was an egregious fair catch interference. He hit him early. So that one deserved to be called. But then you had the scrum. You had the Miami Dolphins and their head coach come out on the uh, from the sidelines onto the field. Guys were taking swings. And I think one of, if you follow Willie Anderson on Twitter, I think he noted it was one of the Bengals trainers that took a hit in the head or the face by Devontae Parker of the Dolphins. And it just was out of control. So the officiating, if you want to skewer Zach Taylor for today and what you saw today, that's fine, and we'll talk more about that. But the officiating today was absolutely inexcusable. There were, there were instances after instances after instances where the officiating crew was an absolute disaster. And I don't like to be the guy that comes up with excuses in the form of poor officiating as to why – this team lost lost this game. I, I that's not why this team lost this game. It was a a reason, but it was not the reason why that why the Bengals lost this game. But there was just circumstance after circumstance where the officiating crew let down, uh, especially the Bengals, but really fans that were watching this game. And then it just got ugly and ugly and ugly. So, look, I, I I'm gonna share some things, one of which is a clip of Zach Taylor. I'm going to start there, okay? There's a clip of him from Bengals.com on his press conference, post-game press conference. I'm going to share that, just a snippet of it with you real quick. Um, just a portion I thought was kind of interesting. I'm going to share another uh, tweet from one of our good friends of the show that uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about some Zach Taylor, and then we're going to go through some stats. But uh, there is a lot to digest here, and not a lot of it is palatable at this point. There's it's it's a borderline unwatchable brand of football that is being put out there by the Cincinnati Bengals. And, um, you know, the officiating didn't help anything today. The Bengals, to their credit, I guess, they're kind of putting up a fight, but they still they, – they can't find ways to win. They can't find ways to win close games, and they're not capitalizing on opportunities that are there. It's kind of the same old song and dance. Same old st- song and dance. So let me share this with you. This is on, and we're going to start here before we get to the stats and all that stuff. This is from Bengals.com. It is the Zach Taylor 
press conference after it's about 30, you can see about 37 seconds in he, Dave Lapham's at, at, had just asked him a question about if he thought the referees had cost them the game or, you know, how they felt Zach Taylor kind of took the high road and just said, I'm going to skip to the next question there. And then he started talking about some other stuff that I kind of found both uh, eye opening questionable, but uh, you know, again, it speaks to his confidence level in his team. So uh, we're going to, we're going to play this for you real quick. Yeah, I understand. I mean, what, what, um, how do you, how do you prevent, I mean, it's a tough situation. It, just, it turned into something other than football. I'm sure the league will not be happy about what it turned into. What did you tell your football team after the game? Uh, I mean, I'm proud of the effort they gave, you know, and, and they, they're playing hard and um, had some calls go against them, you know, that, that we'll have to look at, to be quite frank. But, uh, you know, I thought the guys were playing hard and, and got put in a tough spot there. Coach, only uh, 30 yards of total offense in the second half. Uh, what was happening there that caused you guys to struggle so much offensively? First down efficiency right off the gate. You know, two, two first down runs that put us in second 11. And then I think we were in first and 10, second 11, third and 11. Um, you know, the first two drives that half. And that's where they captured the momentum. They went down and scored a touchdown and they kicked a field goal. And uh, to go up, what would have been 16 to 7 at that point? And we had two straight three and outs there. And that, that's unacceptable on our so as i mentioned in this in this episode or really you know there there's kind of in two camps a little bit of uh, and i think most at this point are kind of you got to move on from zach taylor but there are some points of defense and really in these in these statements that he made there you can kind of say okay that makes sense but it also totally doesn't so when this team is making plays like the second punt coverage tackle by mike thomas where it was an egregious error and what happens when there's a lack of accountability, when there's a lack of wins, and maybe even a lack of respect of the coaching staff, you start getting reckless play from players. And I, I think while Mike Thomas, I like that first one, and I, I didn't agree with the call on the first punt coverage tackle that he had that forced the fumble. Unfortunately, that second one seemed like a reckless play. Now, that may be a reach by me by saying, you know, because it's a reckless play, it's automatically points to the coaching staff. But I mean, I think you're starting – you kind of get my point a little bit there. There there are – players end up making kind of reckless plays because they don't really fear repercussions or they're not coached properly or maybe a combination of a number of factors. So, I mean, you could sit there and point directly to that. And the fact that Zach Taylor says, I think our guys fought hard today and, you know, played well and, and all of that, you put up seven points – you're not winning games, and there were some kind of some embarrassing moments, not just by your football team, but also by my the Miami Dolphins as well, that were on display this this week. So I, I take a little bit of an issue with with that comment that Zach Taylor said. But at the same time, this is a depleted roster because of injury, because of COVID, because of all kinds of things. And in a in a sense, he's kind of he is kind of right that this team doesn't. Uh, there was a little bit more, I guess, of a display of quit you know, the team quit maybe today just because of just the score disparity, et cetera. And, and some of the, the issues with the bench clearing fight and all of that. But the last two weeks without Joe Burrow, this team's and Brandon Allen, a guy who does not have much NFL experience. This team is putting up at least a fight. They lost by two points last week. And this was a winnable game today until this wacky series of events and officiating and all kinds of other issues started to kind of snowball on. And so it's kind of this round and round we go, right? 
it, it, and this is this is what makes this decision difficult, likely for the Bengals with Zach Taylor, where you kind of chase your tail. You go, okay, well, first off season he got here late, he didn't get a chance to assemble the staff he kind of wanted, and he kind of ran with it. We gave him a pass there, and then this off season he had the COVID. You've got all these injuries, yeah, but he's won fourteen and one in close games. Yeah, he's won four games in almost two seasons, right? So you keep going round and round with this. And at some point, you're going to need to make a decision that says that makes a statement to your football team. Either, you know, we're sticking behind this guy and you better rally around him and the, and the coaching staff that he assembles. Or you need to make a statement and say, well, this is this is not the direction that this team needs to go. And some of what we saw on display today was was unacceptable. And I want to make it clear also that, you know, the, my, the, the fact that Brian Flores came out on the field and was kind of goading. I don't know who it was, Zach Taylor, his players. He kind of just basically was kind of saying, let's throw down, it seemed, based on the body language and whatnot. And, you know, I mean, so it wasn't a great moment for the Miami Dolphins. There's a lot of ugliness in this game today. A lot of ugliness in this game today. You know, I see I see John Hall here. There is no defense of for, for Zach Taylor. I get it. Uh, Tom Voland on the uh, on Facebook four twenty three and one no excuses I get it uh, don't be a company man trash Zach for being trash from Jack Ryan company man I I don't know if you guys know I'm not employed by the Cincinnati Bengals so uh, I'm not being a company man I I, I call it like I kind of see it and there 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 are Im- embedded excuses for Zach Taylor and his and his record lack of winning all of that. It's a matter of how much you buy into those excuses. And really as each loss piles up and each embarrassing performance piles up, there are those excuses become more and more hollow. And you heard a reporter, I don't know who it was after Dave Lapham asked the question there, 40 yards of total offense in, in or 30 yards of total offense in the second half. And at one point, get this, at one point the Bengals had less yards in the game in the second half, less second half yards on offense than players ejected. So that's pretty inexcusable. That's pretty inexcusable. And we, we can, I can talk about all of those excuses that I brought up. I mean, this is your offensive genius. And Tim McGee said it well last week on, uh, you know, to Lindsay Patterson and she related on Twitter, you got to learn to win with what you have. And at this point, Zach has to has to find a way to create positive vibes and positive momentum going into next year, even with so many guys not playing well, so many guys hurt, so many coaches and players on the COVID list, et cetera. And it just when you're putting up seven points a week, we we are this this is what what I have the real big problem with, ladies and gentlemen, is I have a really big problem with the fact that we seem to be in the exact same place at almost the exact same time of year as we were last year. You're on a backup quarterback, a little different scenario. Your starter last year was benched, and this year he's hurt. But you're on a backup quarterback. Your roster's depleted. Now it, it just kept getting worse and worse today. Tyler Boyd gets ejected on that week call. Jonah Williams takes a knee injury. We don't know exactly how severe that is. And it just keeps snowballing on this team. And at some point you got to, you got to figure out if the best way to stop that snowball from keeping its momentum mowing over all kinds of any positivity 
with this team. If, if it means to get rid of all, all of these coaches, some of these coaches, at a minimum, I, I don't think this coaching staff can stay intact um, next year. It, if Zach's still the head guy, okay, I guess. But um, th- there needs to be some changes. Y- you can't keep the status quo at this point. Um, and it's it's a difficult to say. I mean, again, the defense today, Tua had we'll, – we'll, we'll talk about this. Tua had kind of a big statistical day. Um, but at the same time, they were the defense was okay on third downs. And, I mean, only let up 19 points on the road. So <laughs> it's this thing where you go, well, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but um, – it's 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 not an easy decision, but what was on display today was was difficult to watch in a number of different facets. Uh, I thought this was an interesting tweet here from our good friend Joe Goodberry. I will put this up here. Um, uh, talking about these injuries. Injuries are bad luck, but they also happen when you have bad players around your good players. Does Burrow get hurt if you're not starting the worst left guard in football that also allowed nine pressures in that single game? Does Jonah get hurt if you're not starting a practice squad quarterback and bad right guard, right tackle? So it's an interesting point and one one that I think uh, you know a lot of us have thought of, thought about. Um, it's If you look at what happened with Jonah, I'm not going to play that clip because we don't need to replay injuries and stuff on the show. But if you look at what happened with Jonah, I mean, there was just kind of a blown assignment on the right side of the line. Uh, Kyle Van Noy circles back around. And, you know, as Jonah is holding his block and kind of moving back a little bit and the entire play goes through what it went through, you know, someone rolls up on Jonah Williams that really probably shouldn't have been there because of poor play on the other side of the offensive line. We know that Joe Burrow's injury was because of a poor offensive line. And yet they, they still keep trotting out a lot of the same guys, a lot of the same things. And uh, it's not, it's not really, it's not really working. Mark Young said, did it look like an ACL? Hard to know. Hard to know. It seemed, it looked pretty ugly, and he was carted off. Obviously, we will know more as the week progresses. Um, it, it definitely did not look as ugly to me as the Joe Burrow one, but it was only kind of one body falling into Jonah Williams and not three like there was with Joe Burrow, but that doesn't make it necessarily any less or any more severe. Um, it, it looked bad. He was carted off the field and didn't return. So... Uh, that's that's where we're at. Seeing a lot of hashtag fire Zach Taylor. And, uh, you know, you, you have merits to your argument there. You have merits to your argument. By the way, yeah, Abe McGee brings this one up. The O-line let another, let another QB get killed. Brandon Allen took a big hit and had to leave the game. Ryan Finley came in, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. I'm going to go over some stats. So... Yeah, I mean, it's the offensive line continues to have some some issues. The Miami Dolphins had the most sacks. I believe it was six. Um, they had the most sacks they have had in a single game this year against the Cincinnati Bengals, and you can't win football games that way. And Zach Taylor, going back to what the clip I played you there, Zach Taylor said, we keep putting ourselves in poor positions. Well, it's because you've put together a poor offensive line, and yes, the injuries. You don't have Joe Mixon. Tyler Boyd exits the game early. You don't have your starting quarterback, and you're trying to make do across the board, right? And so, again, it's kind of that myriad of factors. You've put out a subpar group 
or you've put together a subpar group at offensive line, but you've also experienced a lot of injuries to big name players as well. And then that continues because of bad luck slash other bad players uh, potentially causing scenarios wherein players continue to get hurt like Jonah Williams today. Uh, yeah, this was a good one from James. Good James miracle here. The fact that they waited till 320 left in the fourth quarter to play Sula Filo to replace Michael Jordan, who was abused against says everything about Taylor and the offensive line coach. That is a great point. Yeah. It's look, they, they are, they, it's no secret that they like Michael Jordan. It's no secret. And unfortunately, and we've known he's a, he's a project player. We have known that, um, Unfortunately, the project just is not moving forward. And I, I personally had high hopes for Michael Jordan. I thought he was going to be a nice player. He, he was one of the youngest players on the roster last year, uh, if not the youngest. And so you kind of felt like, yeah, he needs to develop more. He needs to get, find his groove a bit. But again, these these the Bengals play, they pick up these kind of swing guys. It's like, yeah, he played center, he played guard. You know, you need to start finding the guy and a guy that fits a specific position and not do the musical chairs, not do the round peg and square hole type of thing. You need to find the guy and play them there. And so hopefully if the season continues to regress or progress, however you want to look at it the way that it is, the Bengals will have high picks yet again in every round. And hopefully they will use many of them on some offensive linemen that are highly talented that will be upgrades at a number of different spots. There are a couple of spots at least that could use some upgrades today. By the way, Bobby Hart, who had had a steady couple of games before being hurt, had a decent week last week, had had some problems today as well, once again. So there's no, there's no, nobody really immune to criticism, especially when it comes to the offensive line at this point, especially when it comes to the offensive line. Uh, Offensive line uh, Sox says Michael Jordan may actually be good someday with the right offensive line coach. Who knows? It's a good point. Um, I, I, again, if, if you're going to, you cannot, you cannot sell this to the fan base. If you were the Cincinnati Bengals, you cannot sell Zach Taylor returning with a fully intact coaching staff in 21. You just can't. And if, if you're going to move on from Zach Taylor, then, you know, a lot of those guys or some of them need to go as well, but you cannot, you cannot move forward in 21 with things being status quo and just saying, Hey, we just need to be a little more lucky on the injury front. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. That, that's not good enough. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... You want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com. Happy to have you joining us. We've got a lot of live listeners. We are now uh, streaming on Twitter, on the Orange and Black Insider Twitter account. So if you want to join us on Twitter, please do. Otherwise, uh, join us on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, which many of you are, or our Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. It's right under my, somewhere over here, there's a little button. You can click that to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can get all of our shows. You can get Chalk Talk Film Reviews by Matt Minnick. And, uh, you know, join us for the Gansett pregame show, our postgame show, the Monday News Jump, all kinds of different stuff. Or if you're more of an audiophile and you would rather listen to the audio downloadable, hey, listen to them all. Listen, watch the video, listen to the audio, whatever, whatever you want to do. But we're on all the major streamers. So get the show how you can. We appreciate the support. I know a lot of us are in uh, there, there's a lot of people that are angry right now, a lot of Bengals fans that are angry based on everything that's going on and how this season has spiraled out of control, especially with a, you know, no Joe Burrow in here. But, uh, you know, we're all, I think, whether we don't see eye to eye on certain things, I think we all want to see this team play much better football and put a much better product than what was seen today. I tell you what, folks, I don't know how old or how long, how old some of you are, how long you've been Bengals fans, how much Bengals football you have watched. Today was very reminiscent of like the Jay Schrader days, 94, 95, like the days with Paul Justin, Akili Smith. This 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 was not not a fun brand of football to watch on a number of different fronts. Not a fun brand of football to watch on a number of different fronts. I'm not going to belabor the stats too much, but I, I think it, it bears going through at least some of these um, so you can kind of see where we are at. If you look here um, and you, you add in the net, uh, the yardage, by the way, it was six sacks. I, I said that uh, earlier, but yes, six sacks. Five of Brandon Allen, one on Ryan Finley. If you add in the, the yardage lost from those six uh, six sacks, the Bengals passed for 156 total yards today. And you look at Brandon Allen, 11 of 19, 153 yards, 8.1, uh, one touchdown, one interception. At this point, it's just really about is Brandon Allen a capable enough guy to be an emergency backup quarterback once Joe Burrow returns for, for the future? Is he that guy? And right now it's kind of just a mixed bag. Uh, the touchdown he threw was all Tyler Boyd. It was a short pass that Tyler Boyd took, a, you know, all the way to the house. And, um, you know, that's that's where it is. Tua uh, had close to 300 yards today, one touchdown, zero interceptions. I'll, I'll change the 
um, change to the, the Dolphins page in just a second here. But Brandon Allen, 11 of 19, 153. Ryan Finley, 6 of 7 for 40 yards, and then the interception. The only the only pass he didn't complete was actually a completion to another team uh, in one of those trademark Finley throw it into a crowd, gets batted up, and becomes an interception. Tyler Boyd threw a pass. Unfortunately, it was kind of a, a cool cool play, well-designed, but, uh, you know, we, they had a free blitzer and it kind of blew up the entire play. Uh, would have been a fun play if it ended up working the way it was designed there. So uh, Tyler Boyd, 0 for 1. And then Geo, just another very pedestrian day, 12 carries, 30 yards, not a lot of running room. There was some play, there were some plays early on where it was kind of stretch plays and, and uh, outside zone plays where he found a little bit of running room. But as you heard Zach Taylor said, say at the beginning in the press conference, I mean, they tried to run on first down and it was very predictable and it put him in a, thir- a second and 11, a third and 11. I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of run on first down for a loss of a yard, incomplete pass on second down, and then you're in a third and 11. There was a lot of that today or something very, very similar to that sequence of events. Samaj P. Ryan, three for seven, and then you had three yards rushing. Uh, the big, the big deal here, obviously, Boyd had the 72-yarder for a touchdown. T. Higgins, five for 56 on seven targets. He left the game late, too, with a minor injury, too. So we got to keep an eye on, on that. Not good news there. Uh, where my cursor is here, A.J. Green, zero receptions on one target. That is his fourth catchless game of the season. So whether it was, it was with Joe Bur- Burrow or not, A.J. Green is not putting up the numbers that a franchise-tagged player should. And I think there are a myriad of reasons for that, some on A.J. Green, some totally outside of his control. But fourth catchless game by A.J. Green this year and second in a row. And only one target. Gio Bernard, non-factor in the the passing game. Vaughn Bell did have a fumble recovery that was – Stripped by Jesse Bates late in the game. Kind of made the, the game a little bit interesting towards the end there, but still was out of control. And uh, those two guys are really – those two guys and this these two guys right here, William Jackson and Logan Wilson, those are some of the lone bright spots on defense. William Jackson had three passes defended. He did have a, a, uh, a penalty against him early in the game. He had some epic battles with Devontae Parker, but at least two of those passes defended were in the end zone on little fade routes. So uh, William Jackson ended up having a pretty nice day today uh, overall. And then, you know, Devontae Parker gets ousted from the game after that scrum later on. Logan Wilson playing okay. Jesse Bates, look at his 13 tackles and the forced fumble. Sam Hubbard, 10 tackles. But look, guys, nobody's getting to the quarterback. Nobody. Nobody. Goose eggs all the way down. And I, it was a kind of a surreal moment for those of you listening or watching the game. Christian Covington left the game early uh, at one point with an injury, and it was Geno Atkins coming in in relief as a backup to Christian Covington. Kind of a surreal moment, and Geno Atkins not doing much to help the cause either, whether it's the injury that's still plaguing him or uh, you know just not getting enough snaps. Father time catching up with him, all of the above. I don't know, but uh, that's that's a real steep fall from grace by by Geno Atkins and a guy that I think we all were counting on to have a nice year for the Bengals. To his to his numbers, twenty six of thirty nine. Kind of a little surprising they had him throw the ball that much. Uh, 
but 296 yards, one touchdown, just very uh, methodical. Not too, There were a couple throws that were really nice. One catch by Mike Gusecki, who, by the way, the Bengals still – they need to find guys on defense that can guard tight ends. They, it, for years, the Bengals have been unable to regularly limit the damage from tight from athletic tight ends. They need to they need to draft players or develop players that are that are who are able to do that because tight ends kill this team. But he and Mike Gusecki made a really nice catch. But for the most part, too, I mean, there weren't like great great outstanding throws, but there were a couple of good ones. And when you see this stat line for a rookie quarterback and you know his first handful of starts here that's a pretty good stat line by Tua. Miles Gaskin had a really good game despite the fumble. He had 90 yards on the ground and a couple a couple of catches for 51 yards that long one. He did end up uh, fumbling on there but uh, you know overall a decent day by Miles Ga- uh, Gaskin. Um, not too much else from others on the ground. And then you see here the big game from Gasecki, nine catches, 88 yards, a touchdown. Uh, athletic running backs are also a problem, two catches, 51 yards. Uh, Lynn Bowden, kind of a wide receiver running back hybrid, a uh, guy who bounced around already as a rookie, four catches, 41 yards. Um, and then, you know, they tried to target Adam Shaheen, a, a tight end as well. So, you know, just a, a complete disparity of yards. If you look at the passing yard, the net passing yards here, without any sacks, it's 296 passing yards to 156 to the Bengals. So 140 yards more passing. Rushing, the Bengals had 17 carries for 40 yards. Miami had 28 carries for 110. So there's 70 more yards on the ground. I mean, it's just... It's pretty staggering, the disparity of stats there. Pretty staggering, the disparity of stats. And... You know, last week I sat here and I kind of said, you know, you got to be, you got to like a little bit how this team responded in the wake of the Joe Burrow injury and they kept it real close against the Giants. The Giants aren't a very good team, but, you know, they came out, even Chris Spielman, who was on that telecast against the Giants said, you know, this team doesn't, doesn't appear to be quitting and you got to like that they're still out there fighting. Um, Today, just, there was a little bit of that, but when things started to kind of stop going their way, they crawled into a shell, which is kind of a Bengals tradition, unfortunately, but they crawled into a shell and it just, they just let it snowball on them. And then you saw some reckless plays like the one from Mike Thomas. You saw guys that were engaging in the scrum with the Miami Dolphins. And I don't know what it was today with the Miami Dolphins. They were, they were playing a brand of football that was there was a lot of extracurricular shoving and pushing and punching and nudging and extra hits, all kinds of different stuff, all kinds of different stuff. And I think, I don't know if that was a ploy to try and get the Bengals to make stupid mistakes and get caught for the retaliations or what, or if they were just playing pissed off and wanted to take it out on, on a lesser opponent. Um, if the Bengals were saying things pregame, I guess Quentin Spain after the game was someone put it on Twitter. I'll have to find out who that was again, but I saw that Quentin Spain was kind of mouthing to some Dolphins players after the game. And I like Quentin Spain, but dude, you lost and it was a pretty ugly loss. I don't, I don't know what you're mouthing about, but uh, I mean, that's kind of, kind of is what it is. 
And at this point, all, like I said, I think all the Bengals really can hope for at this point is to have Brandon Allen show that he is the backup quarterback of the future and a guy that they can rely upon in an emergency situation. And you got to see some growth and you hope to see some wins. I know that's not a popular opinion for everybody who's saying they want Panay Sewell, who is a great football player and a guy I really like, and I would love to see him with the Cincinnati Bengals. But how many years do, are we going to say, hey, tank for this guy, tank for this guy? At some point, you got to start winning games. And even, even to build momentum into the next season, that's why Mike Brown has hung on to some of these coaches in the past after they've had a slow start but a strong finish to certain seasons like Coslett and LeBeau. I mean, there were some guys in the past that had some strong finishes to seasons, and he said, well, that – and it's a, it's a it's the right mindset. It kind of says that the team didn't quit on him, and they played hard even though they were out of the playoff picture, and they won some games, and you can ride some momentum into the next season. I know we all want the high draft pick, but I, I think we need to start – Building, I think I think the Cincinnati Bengals need to start building some some positive momentum. Just as many wins this year, despite different quarterbacks playing, despite the big free agency period, despite all of that, same we're basically same exact results, just with an extra tie at this point. So that's. Uh, that's up for debate, I suppose. I'm, I'm looking at some of these comments here. Tyrus Humphrey, Humphrey says, zero discipline, zero leadership, zero direction. Uh, this one, uh, Will Smith's banging on the, the Wade Phillips drum here, as a lot of us are. Bates and Lawson for next season. Um, Finley, Finley was uh, a, a failure there. Brian Kramer says nothing to build with these coaches. Then, okay. Then if that – it's you could very well be right. This could very well be not the coaching staff to lead Joe Burrow and this team in, into a championship window that they had hoped. But if that's the case, you need to cut that cord quickly. You need to cut that cord quickly because the longer that this goes on and the longer that you try and make it work, even though everybody seems to – they may think that it's not going to work the longer you let this go, the more difficult another rebuild or another reset is going to be, and it's going to take longer. So there's the personal side, you know, Zach, family guy, seems like a really nice guy, all of that. Probably some of these other coaches, really great guys, but you have to be able to separate the business side from the personal side. If you're the Brown family, you need to be able to look at kind of the, the data here and the, the wins and losses and all of that, and you need to gauge the validity of a lot of these stories of the Elise Jesse story about Zach Taylor lost the locker room. And if it's just old, older Marvin guys that are displeased with their role, that just comes with coaching turnover. Or if the approach by Lou Anarumo, Zach Taylor, et cetera, is not the right one in terms of how they handle their players. Carlos Dunlap left and he's doing pretty well in Seattle right now. That was kind of a two-way street. I think a lot of people agree with that, but he could have. He's obviously he's got some pr production left in him. So, if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you need to you need to decide if this is the direction you want to continue to keep going in terms of Zach Taylor 
this coaching staff, some of his coaching staff, what have you, you needed to make a decision, but you need to make it quick because you have to make a commitment either way. Because if you're going to commit to Zach Taylor, you then need to reassess some members of the coaching staff, make some offseason decisions there, um, and then continue down this blueprint that Zach Taylor has supposedly sold to the front office and continue to hoard those players, mold those players, and try and turn this thing around. Otherwise, you need to say it's just it's absolutely not working. We need to get another set of coaches in here to kickstart a rebuild quickly because this current rebuild is not working. This current rebuild is not working as evidenced by four and a half wins almost two seasons, if you want to call it a 0.5 win, a tie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Robert Rourke, it's called No Experience as Coaches. If, if you listen to the pregame show, myself, Matt Minnick, and John Sheeran, we were talking about this. I brought up a little bit. You know, I think I think the issue is I, I, don't, I don't know that Zach Taylor is an overall poor coach. I, the jury may still be out about, on that. And let me finish my statement before you jump the shark on me here. I think that Zach Taylor in this situation has bit off more than he can chew as an inexperienced NFL head coach. And I think that what I mean by that is he brought in coaches that also didn't have any experience. He didn't really follow the McVay blueprint and getting an experienced defensive coordinator, a guy who's maybe been an NFL head coach. He didn't do that. And then, you know, you, you went to the, to Jim Turner for the offensive line. You went to a really green offensive coordinator, and then you decide to also call the plays. So you're, t- you're putting a lot on your plate as a brand new, young, first-time NFL head coach. And I-, I think he's a confident guy that thought he can handle this, but the wins and losses say otherwise. That's not to say definitively that if he was to give that to somebody else, if he was to hire some, some assistants that have NFL head coaching experience that he could lean on a little bit, that doesn't mean that he can't be successful. But the way this is currently designed, it is not – it is not successful, despite the injuries, despite the COVID, despite the weird off seasons, all of that. The way this is currently designed, it is not it is not successful. And that's the bottom line. The Bengals now are, you know, they're two nine and one, one fourteen and one in, in one score games under Zach Taylor. What is he at now? Four four twenty three and one. I mean, it's so hard to keep count. So hard to keep count. Four twenty-three and one, I think, is where he's at as a as a head coach. A lot of people are saying if if Zimmer gets fired, a no-brainer. Well, we'll see what happens there. I don't. I don't. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. Minnesota seems to like him, but we'll see. Yeah, for uh, Rachon Richardson, four wins in two years is not good at all. No, it's not. Um, Zach is loyal to his coaches. Keith Brewer said, "You can tell by how he talks." Um, Oh, this is a yeah. This is a good one from Chrissy here. Uh, not one damn road game win in two seasons. Awful. That's that's a that's a a stat that not a lot of people are talking about. We're talking about the win losses, the close games, and all that kind of stuff. The road win thing. That's a biggie. You got to be able to win on the road, and especially in this division, you gotta you gotta sneak out some wins there every year if you want to be competitive. That's a that's a really good um, really good reminder there from Chrissy. A sobering one but a really good one. We're going long, guys. I'm going to get out of here, but I'm Anthony Gazenza with CincyJungle.com. Uh, we got to commiserate a little bit. We got to go over some stats. We got to hear a little bit from Zach Taylor in his press conference and get a little opinion and insight on this post-game show, the week 13 
post-game show, the Bengals lose to the Dolphins 19-7. to The Miami Dolphins cover the spread. Shocking. Vegas knew what it was doing. But uh, a, a really ugly game in a lot of senses, both performance-wise by the Cincinnati Bengals and the fighting between the two teams. Coaches kind of – it just – the officiating, everything just kind of seemed to be out of control. So uh, – that's that's about all you can really say about this one. I mean, and, and the questions about the coaching staff still remain. Questions about the coaching staff still remain. But, hey, uh, I'm going to get on out of here. I'm sure you all have more to do, better things to do. Well, maybe not better things. I don't know. You got, you got things to do for this weekend. And I appreciate you spending a little time with me for those tuning in live or for those of you listening after the fact. <laughs> I appreciate you tuning in live and uh, going through the aftermath of this game. We, we've got a big week ahead for you, by the way, on the on the podcast. Okay, we've got a Sam Hubbard interview coming early in the week, so we'll be talking with him. Excited to do that. We've got our Wednesday deep dive show. We've got our listener questions live episode on Friday. So if you want to start submitting those questions to us, go ahead and start doing that to to queue up that on Friday. We've got our pregame show by Narragansett Beer on. Sunday before the game, an hour before kickoff, we've got our post game show. After that, where I uh, we get to we get to virtual hug and get through it, get through this what the season has brought us. Uh, so anyway, thanks everybody. Check out all that material this week as well as some stuff from Matt Minnick in his Chalk Talk episodes and the boys Ace and Zim from Orange's New Black podcast, all on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Property Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.